Welcome to Parlay Me Power Players. This is a podcast that explores the latest entrepreneurs, startups, founders, business leaders, and even enterprises that are changing the game. We call them the disruptors. You might see them as your mentors or maybe even your colleagues, but we are so excited to bring to you each week someone we find either fascinating, progressive, or someone that's really making changes in all kinds of industries. We are agnostic in what we cover. So we cover everything from mobility to AI to food and produce, you name it, we cover it. But most importantly, we want to showcase to you entrepreneurs that are really making a difference and making the world a better place. Hi folks and welcome to Parlay Me Power Players podcast. Today we have a very unique and talented guest on the show, Kai Ahrens, who is a contemporary American pop artist, graphic designer, photographer, director and musician. And don't think the order of that list is representative of his ability to each category. I would argue to say that Kai is equally competent and talented in all areas and naturally all these talents complement and add layers to the richness of his work. He is truly what I call a mixed media artist and his work if you check if you have time check out his website go to his Instagram they often combine art photography and music. So born in Minneapolis the home of the likes of Prince, Vince Vaughan, John Paul Getty III, I mean, the list goes on. Um, but Kai grew up with a fascination for album covers, vintage logos, and has created over 500 pieces for A-list Hollywood talent and artists such as Dolly Parton, The Rolling Stones, Lady Gaga, Lana Del Rey, Radiohead, Paul McCartney. I mean, the list goes on. He is also the owner of La La Land, an art gallery in LA. So if you ever get to LA or if you're in LA, check it out if you haven't already. He even recently directed a film clip for Elton John titled I'm Gonna Love Me Again for the 2020 film Rocket Man, which has garnered alone around 8 million views on YouTube. And that's just on YouTube. So Before we go into the experience of working with one of the music's biggest icons, I want to welcome you, Kai, to Parlay Me Power Players podcast. Wow. Thank you for that well-rounded intro to my entire life. The only piece that didn't seem to to fit was Vince Vaughn is from Minneapolis. Apparently so. Google tells me. (laughs) So. Well, I would drop in Judy Garland and Bob Dylan in his place. Minnesota oh. is quite a, a a place for talent. I think what happens is when we're hibernating in the winter, we dive into our creative spaces and out comes what comes out of it. I love it. It's certainly. But thank you. It's a hotbed for it. It's a hotbed for it. So I'm interested to know, um, you grew up in Minneapolis. Um when did you move to LA, so to speak? Um, and was there someone in your family that was an artist that inspired you to get into this world? Yeah. I mean, so I was born in St. Paul and as all kids moving onward in life, uh, when they reach 18, they move out of St. Paul to Minneapolis. Um, and then they go from Minneapolis to wherever. And I took my, uh, self 
to L.A. in 2004 and opened up La La Land Gallery. And as, as for inspiration, I had an aunt, I have an aunt who is an amazing artist. And it was always magic to me to watch her take a blank piece of a blank canvas and just make the stuff dreams are made out of. And I, I literally thought what she did was like magic. And I became obsessed with it. And uh, that's how uh, I think I really got started. And it was, I was really young. I was probably six or seven when I knew that that was my path in life. And I never veered from it. And nor did I have anything in my family life that stopped me from growing. I'm very fortunate to have had parents who trusted in my talents and, you know, didn't uh, force me to go to school to become a doctor or what have you. Something, something more sensible, especially coming out of a place like Minneapolis where half the time you're just thinking about surviving and important jobs are stuff like, you should build a furnace, you should make insulation. No, I was painting marshmallows and selling them. You know what I mean? It's like, anyway. Absolutely. I think it's brilliant. Well, you kind of answered my next two questions, which was, when did you realize you wanted to become a graphic artist or pop artist? So six, sorry, you said five or six, like that's super early. That's amazing. And it, is it correct you were never formally trained, so to speak? Yeah. The only thing that happened to me was I had exhausted every form of art classes at my high school. And they, in my and my senior year, I had done all of them. They invented a class called Art Studio for me, where all I did was just create art. Wow. Amazing. I love it. Just create art. I mean... What a way to live. I love it. So I was, um, I want to talk about kind of, I guess, okay, so fast forward, obviously a lot happens that is, you know, informative when you're growing up, but fast forward, I was um, stalking your Instagram and I saw you mention that, have a little video on there that mentions that you were nearly, nearly princess graphic artist once. Oh my God. <laughs> Two days I thought I was going to be cool. Right. Um, I put together my very first portfolio. Um, mm-hmm. I put together my very first portfolio to present to the person who was running Paisley Park. And then in turn, Prince had to see it as well. So I was literally inventing uh, shows and pieces of art that for people that didn't exist for me for the potential to get the job. And uh, it worked. And... I went in and on my first day, they showed me my office. They explained how, because at that time, Prince had just changed his name to the symbol. And uh, it was explained to me that I had to call him sir or boss. I couldn't call him Prince anymore. And uh, so excited to show up the next day to go to work for Paisley Records, uh, Paisley Park Records. Um, they called me and said, Kai, um, we just heard back from the woman that Prince originally intended to hire who lived, no. lives in London and she's packing her things and she decided to, to take the job. So unfortunately, we're going to have to say goodbye. Oh. <laughs> oh. 
Wow, that's that's uh, that's a bitter pill to swallow. That's uh, wow. Well, you came close. At least you can know you came close. But I don't know if that's yeah, you know, that's even worse, right? Well, what would have been? Well, you've certainly made a mark for yourself, so it didn't Thanks. matter really Thanks. in the end. It probably <laughs> fueled the fire. Yeah, exactly. Made you more hungry for it. So, um, I was perusing your online shop too. You have an amazing pop art collection, obviously. Um, in the post, yeah, the post. I mean, you look at your client list, and it's like, wow, like the dream client list. So, um, you know, you've worked with lights of, you know, you've done posters for Beck, Beyonce. I mean, even Bernie Sanders. Um, all the bees. All the bees, right? Um. So, Band of Horses, one of my favorites. I love um, that band. I love Abortes. that band. Oh, it's brilliant. But you certainly have a signature style. Um, and I want to talk about the influence a little more. But I guess I'm interested to know um, a, just a little bit, I guess, like the process. Um, you know, like you also have a lot of political um, work as well, like a lot of um, George Floyd, you know, um, a nod to George Floyd. You have a video on your Instagram or not just your Instagram, but a video clip, if you will, um, which kind of pays um, homage or respect to. I'm um, really glad that you brought that up. Yeah. So tell me about that. Well, and, and yeah. Um, being from Minneapolis, um, I, I may have been a little more uh, attached to, right. to the George Floyd situation more than most. My, bro- my brother um, lives three blocks away from where it all went down and, mm-hmm. um, and does his, of course, his whole family. And I was mm-hmm. following my niece around quite a bit because she was getting really involved. She was mm-hmm. there the night that the, the, the fire station burned down which is the shot that opens up the video. And in a conversation went down where literally somebody said, man, is there even life on earth to think stuff like this could happen? And Mm. I I rang a bell for the best song I think ever written. So it was ballsy to take take a stab at rewriting life on Mars and changing it to life on earth. Mm. And I was telling my friend, Charlene Gibson about it and she's a amazing singer and I've been wanting to do something with her and so we went and did a duet we went and tracked the vocals I did all the music in advance and then brought the music to Linda Perry and Linda Perry tracked the vocals for for us for Charlotte and and I and uh what you see on YouTube is uh, what I put in an episode of my show called Life of Kai, which, yes. which is something I've been working on during the entire COVID period. Um, mm. The good news there is no one can find episodes of Life of Kai right now because it looks like we might be landing on a network. Okay. Wow. Well, look out. Things are definitely taking off in the right direction. That's brilliant. Congratulations. I, I, I'm sure you can't say which network, but... It, um, it hasn't <laughs> been selected, but um, okay. it's getting kind of official around here. Um, and I'm really excited. And it's nice to know that everything that I 
pardon the term, gave birth to um, mm-hmm. in this time period is actually going to uh, be born and see the light of day. Uh, but that particular video, um, I would suggest all that, you know, it's, it's a tough watch because it's a time yeah. in, in the world where everybody's hearts came to be- together and cried. And, mm. uh, you know, we cried making that thing. And, and it's, I was really happy with the way it turned out. Yeah, it's, it's brilliant. And your work is, you know, obviously you're dealing with such heavy content, but it's so polished your work and professional. Um, it's really, I'm, really. I'm done. really glad that you see that because oh, yeah. I really take pride in time in getting it right. Mm. Like mm. I, I really intend when I, when I make something, um, I really put the, I really make sure to put the finishing touches on it before the world gets to see anything that I create. I guess to that point, while we're talking about it, how important is it to have a political voice? I guess when you are a pop artist and you have a platform and to reflect this, especially, I guess, as a pop artist, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, you're, you're making reference all the time to popular culture. How important is it to have that political kind of uh, irony and satire as well? You know, what's weird about it is when I first started, I intentionally moved away from it because I, I felt like that base was covered. The base that didn't get enough sunshine is what I will call the uh, the beautiful world of uh, like Disneyland. It's a small world. The dreams that happen complete in a positive light. And so I never found myself diving into political art until damn right. I just felt the right. need to hearing the voice of Bernie Sanders and all the common sense that came straight out of that guy who's spent all his hard earned time to do what's right and I know people like that um, don't always know what is visually the most enticing to draw a larger audience I mean all coming from a man who combs his hair with a balloon you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, it, you, look, it definitely takes uh, a professional, an artist, if you will, to capture the imaginations and minds. Um, that brings me to, you know, what is pop art? So I've just got for those listening uh, that, you know, <laughs> there's some people that aren't familiar with it. Uh, by definition, pop art uses recognisable imagery Pop art utilizes icons, popular media and products. It's often bright colors um, and very vibrant. It does use a lot of irony and satire. Um, humor is also one of the main components of pop art. And you you, you use a lot of humor in your work, um, Kai, and I love well, it. January, I just want to say right now, I'm going to change an answer to a question you asked earlier. Have I Please. ever gone to school for what I do? And I feel like within that last three three or four sentences i now understand what it is that i do i feel schooled by you thank you oh there you go well i'm certainly not here to school you but i think it's um just for yeah it's always good i always find just simple definitions just to remind myself what is it we're talking about and we're doing well, that shows your true intent and your uh your pure nature to delve into these questions which makes your interview even that much better 
Oh, thank you. Yeah, no. Well, I I guess let's talk about inspiration for you because often, you know, um, historically pop art, you know, they draw from television, magazines, comics. You draw a lot from album covers. Um, And I guess I wanted to ask you just for those that are curious, that do are familiar with your work and do follow you, are there like maybe one or two album covers from the 70s or 80s that have really like influenced you or made you go, wow, <laughs> that was amazing. Um, not your own work. Or you can mention your own work. No, if you not want. my own work. To be honest, I wish that I, I mean, I have a few album covers that I've created that I really, really like, mm-hmm. but um, I, I, I'd I say my, my, <laughs> some of my posters hit home more than any of my album covers have. But the album cover that took me to further places and music and still to this day holds the number one spot in my brain is Queen 2. And it's the photo. It's the Mick Rock photo of the four of them, perfectly symmetrical. And you couple that image with the great hair (laughs) and those faces that made such a sound that it's just uh, when you put that needle on the record and you hear ogre battle and you think it's weird and then you realize it's being played backwards and then they flip it forwards and then here you are in this wonderland you open up the album and there they are all in white they're superhuman they take it to a new place so as you can tell by the excitement in my voice as i describe it that is is the passion that drives me for almost everything that I do artistically. And then you take a look around and there was never anybody better than Storm Thorgerson and his partner with hypnosis. Sorry, I'm forgetting his, his partner's name, but you know, all of those hypnosis album covers from the past, always made you wonder they were always dangerous they were sexy they were weird um you know did you know rush has uh three naked male butts on various album covers of their own and you never really thought twice about it it's because pure art matched with and and it took the music to a different place it took it further than than the music itself could yeah Ah, that's so brilliantly put. It took it further than the music could. Absolutely. So um, speak about taking it further, <laughs> one of the great pop artists of all time, Andy Warhol, yes. <laughs> famously said, I think everybody should be a machine. Um, so as a result, he tried to make his art kind of look like it was created by a machine, if you will. So With this in mind, let's talk the rise of NFTs. So how I know you're you're very much in this world, but how important, I guess, is technology and embracing new technology in the evolution of pop art? Um, How important do you think that is in reference to NFTs right now? It's kind of like talking about a child that's yet to speak its first word. Okay. It, it's beautiful and everybody is in total awe of it, but has no idea what this kid's going to grow up and be. Right. Um, I think it's the artist's idea to be the perfect parents at this time to create uh, art that challenges, um, 
sure a lot of money is being made. And I think the buyers are smart enough to know that uh, certain pieces are money grabs. But for me personally, on an artistic level, the challenge to now finally match images with movement as a form of art, for example, Ever since I did my first album cover in the late 80s, I literally thought, I remember distinctly remembering, you know, at the age of MTV, when are album covers going to become motion sensitive? When are we going to be able to animate these things? And uh, everyone's going to be able to see what I've done with that. On May 28th, when my NFT drop collaboration with the amazing walking art that is mono neon everybody go look up mono neon go to his instagram listen mm-hmm. to his music. he's mgmt meets parliament and uh wow. he was prince's last bass player and and a friend of mine who is a pr- music producer who i was working with on another song and video that i'm creating right now for an artist named or mash is gonna blow you away uh mm-hmm. anyway uh animating these album covers into a new world is is kind of what what needs to happen and it needs to happen in ways that are more than oh look that's spinning oh that's twinkling like lightning it has to like have a meaning and i think this future TikTok generation that we live in is going to be dishing out the goods and it's going to continue to grow like art always has yeah it's 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 Super exciting time, and I do I do agree. It's like a baby; it has, it's not quite walking yet, even. Um, but I think it's it's so so phenomenal and giving back, you know, power to a lot of artists. Um, you know, I I guess I want to talk about like maybe the parallels between what's happening with NFTs and perhaps um, pop art in general. There was um, a Belgian-born um, American curator and critic. Um, I'm sure you know him, uh, well, don't know him, but know of him, Henry Geldsala, um, who wrote about the emergence of pop art when it first came into, I guess, you know, popular culture, so to speak. And he said it was like a science fiction movie. You pop artists in different parts of the city, unknown to each other, were rising up out of the muck and staggering forward with your paintings in front of you. So, you know, it's kind of I feel like it's similar with these NFTs. It's like it's like it's like a uprising, if you will. Um, and back then, like no one actually knew what others were doing, but or that they even existed. But it was like this spontaneous, authentic movement. It was um, organic response, I guess, to a lot of the realities or the new realities people were facing. So I I feel like it's an unavoidable rise. Um, and that there is, you know, I feel like NFTs are kind of shocking some some people, you know, there's good. like how you know, right? We're, Which is we're waiting, good. Around, we're waiting around for the next smells like teen spirit. This might be it. I mean exactly. I mean that's saying a lot. But let's think mm-hmm. about this. Art is mm-hmm. the silent hero in in, in all things. Like even though it doesn't have a chorus you re- can remember, you'll never forget your first impression of anything, whether it's art or not art. And mm-hmm. when in my lifetime can you have said, oh, remember that art revolution? Mm-hmm. No, I kind of don't. 
I mean, you want to call graffiti the art revolution? I guess you could. Honestly, I don't mean to be an offensive. Never was a fan of graffiti. I always thought it was too many colors and too many shapes to decipher. I thought if they could dial it into single messages a little more, I would find it more impressive as opposed to like, to me, graffiti is like spray cans. It's like a guitar solo with too many notes. It's like sometimes you're like blown away, but the grace greatness was few and far between but when i saw what was happening in the punk rock and the nft and the crypto punk that middle finger just made me go fuck yes i get it and not only do i get it it's all i've been doing since 1980 fucking nine in front of a computer right images that I have on my countless hard drives that now can be thought of and possibly re be reimagined. I normally don't dive back into my art. I usually create from a new, but I have been going back into my hard drives and go, God, look at that yes. little gem just sitting there. What if that was interpreted as this or that or the other thing? And another thing I think is really cool, instead of just a single painting, Artists are now forced to give true meanings behind some of the things that they create. So it changes the way you actually create art away from, oh, that looks really neat. Oh, yeah. Why does it look neat? Oh, okay. Let me think about that. Wait, it's not as neat anymore. But what if I added this meaning and now I explain it to you and now everybody's fucking feeling the, the strength of your piece at that point? Yeah, absolutely. It give, yeah, you, you can reinvent them, so to speak, and repurpose your art. And it's a brilliant opportunity. And I, I think a lot of the most popular NFTs are almost like these historical ones or ones that are kind of representative of a moment in time, um, especially the viral ones. I think um, one just went for 500000 just, I mean, they're going daily for these kind of prices, which is astounding. Um, but it's yeah, definitely the, a I, renaissance. Yeah, it really is. So, okay, so I want to shift gears because we could do a whole podcast on NFTs, but it is such Thank a you. exciting space. Um, but shift gears slightly, um, I guess, to the importance of artists and look, what we're talking about, reflecting upon culture. Um, and let's talk about space exploration and the huge leaps <laughs> I know this is a hot topic for you. Um, you know, Wait a thankfully- minute. I was singing yes. Hot Pockets, not Hot Topics. Hot Pockets, Hot Topic. <laughs> well, you know, both. Um, thanks to SpaceX, let's face it. This made it, you know, space a lot more sexy than NASA did. But um, visionaries such as Elon Musk, you know, um, they have, but NASA's got it all over SpaceX as far as the logo is concerned. And can we oh. talk about that for one second? Because I have literally been trying to bum rush Elon Musk. I've designed many things and printed them out beautifully and sent them to his various offices going, somehow that logo's got to stop looking like a pair of Oakley sunglasses and be as cool as that original fucking NASA logo, the Challenger logo. NASA knew about style and design. Um, yeah. Elon knows about the way the you know that that guy's a machine. But as far as style is concerned, I don't think SpaceX knows what they're doing yet. 
I'm just Googling their logo right now and looking at it and you're right, it's pretty, pretty, pretty basic. I think he's one of these guys that just kind of goes, okay, skip that, let's get to the business. But we all know that brand is the business and you've got to get that right too. But thankfully he's innovating, um, which he's definitely doing. Now, tell me, you are super, you know, from what I see from your gram, obviously, um interested in space and going to space thankfully to a japanese billionaire and i'm going to try and pronounce his name yusaku masawa which is yeah very close there we go getting there so mr masawa has made a name for himself as a rock musician i don't know in this order but a rock musician an online fashion mogul and now um earth's first moon tourist the 44-year-old tech tycoons made headlines when SpaceX revealed that he would be chartering a flight aboard the company's Big Falcon rocket, if I'm correct, which is still being developed in a slingshot trip around the moon. Yep. As soon as 23, which is like, let's just face it, that's nearly tomorrow. I think that's um, a little ambitious. little uh, ambitious. And it right. actually... The Falcon was the very first spaceship used by SpaceX, but the one that they're working on, and they haven't got it right because 10 of them have exploded, um, right. is the Starship. And um, I've become friends, um, in, coincidentally, the very first rocket scientist of SpaceX is a collector mm-hmm. of my concert posters. And oh. I found that out through a friend. So two and a half years ago when I heard about this mission, I, I, I did what I could to reach out, drove down to his home and had lunch. And he, he explained a lot of amazing things to me about rocket science and, and the meat, the basic structure of starship and how starship was and I could, I, I, I think I've got this remembered, right. But starship is more of a piece of art, like the shape, the original shape, it's as though it's straight out of a 1950 sci-fi of a star, like a Starcraft. And yeah. and what, what they found out is because it looks like it doesn't mean it functions like it. So if you mm-hmm. notice the original version of the Starship was kind of that straight up cone uh, phallic starship, beautiful design. And, and you notice now that it has these wings at the upper part of it. And I think the wings are part of what are helping it guide its way back down to earth to try to successfully land. Now, 10 of these guys have blown up already at the attempt of landing. So my issue with them right now <laughs> is, Hey, I'm a, uh, I don't want to be the test flight on, hard, on this mission, but I have now made it into the third round of exercise or whatever it is that you go to potentially be one of now eight artists that are being chosen to go around the moon on a six day mission titled Dear Moon. Wow, with Mr. Mas- Maswala. Mazawa. Wow, in the house. Amazing. Wow, well, you are a lot braver than I am, um, that's for sure, because I believe he even asked Ryan Gosling, but Ryan Gosling turned him down, that's all, so they say. Um, He was scared. But um, were you really true with it? Say that Ryan Gosling is a total puss. Is that what we're saying? Yeah, that's kind of what we're alluding to here. We're saying that Ryan Gosling. 
Now he's, he says his life is pretty darn fancy. I don't know if I'd want to risk exploding <laughs> on landing somewhere in southern Texas to uh, his career. This is true. I was once asked actually to go to the moon, and I, you never know, like until it, like you know, someone actually legitimately who can go to the moon asked you. I was asked by Naveen Jan, who's um the founder of Moon Express. What? Um, he still hasn't made it there, mind you, but um, I think he has ambitions to go. Who knows? I think twenty thirty or something. But he had asked me <laughs> if I would go to the moon. Oh. I said no. I I ain't got I ain't got it in me. So I don't know what that says about me. I'm a bit of a yeah. I, I'm good here on Earth, so that's good. But I think it's what's interesting about Masawa is that he he said something very interesting actually that he thought that astronauts are most likely cut from the same cloth, scientists or military pilots, who the U.S. government deemed to have you know the right staff. So you know there's a lack of diversity, right? Um, artists have never been to the moon uh so let's let's do it and see and then i guess the whole idea is that you come back to earth and create art about your experience is that right wait a minute what was the last part there you had mentioned so you would like go to um space or the moon rather come back to earth and create art inspired by that experience that's right that's right and honestly i'd like to create art while i'm up in space mm. like I, I i would like to whatever my first vision of the dark side of the moon should be created in real time but yeah. i'm not sure if i'll be broadcasting the creation because according to the document that i signed related to the mission the mm. cell service is the only part that's not paid for oh <laughs> yeah what story Fun facts. Weird. Okay. Well, that's probably just a liability issue. So they're not liable for if you leak some information, you shouldn't or something. That's interesting. Um, well, I think it's fascinating. And so oh. when can you say when it is that you may be heading up, um, heading up? <laughs> like when did they plan it? Uh, if not 2023, is it? Um, All that I know is what you know, and that is 2023 is the projected date. Now, wow. one of the response emails that I got uh, mm. signing up for this, I was told that I would know by the end of April um, wow. whether I made the shortlist or not. Today is the end of April. Okay. Well. Oh. Somebody started a drum roll. Um, but I will say that... Um, various parts of this entire mission cannot be written in stone because you're doing something that's brand new and you're mm -hmm. writing the rule book. You can only assume how long certain things are going to take. So if I don't, yeah. in, a, in a couple of weeks, I will definitely understand. Even down to when we originally signed up, they didn't expect a million people to sign up and their, and their uh, website was not prepared for it. So. Well, I was just about to say, you said you're down to the third round. Like, that's phenomenal in itself. Um, see, so My first time was sending him art two years ago when I first heard about it. That's number one. And then his wow. assistant emailed me back and said, Mr. Imazawa is looking at your art and he's very happy. Thank you for sending it. And then, oh. um, and then 
when the cattle call came for it, I signed up. Three days later, I got an email back, said, thank you. You've made it on to the next round. Now answer these two questions. Give us three photos. Um, do you have anything physically that would prohibit you? Do you have any records beyond parking tickets? Standard questions. I answered all that stuff and then mm -hmm. uh, sent the three photos and answered the questions. And then the next thing came through. You passed the initial process in flying colors. We now need you to submit a video uh, of a minute or less on why you believe you should be a part of this mission. Wow. That is the last thing I sent, which I received an email back saying, thank you for sending this. You will know by the end of April if you've made the shortlist. So there's a chance already, I hate to say, that I did not make it if I don't know now. But well, I, I, I feel like I'm, at least somebody's going to go, dude, you're close or something. I don't know. You tell me. You're going to get a reply either way. So the fact that you haven't had a reply, I'm still holding out hope. I mean, me too. If I'm correct, um, he has about he's worth about two billion. So he probably does things on his time. <laughs> and um, I hate to think how much it's costing him to do this emission. Um, but I don't look, think it matters when you're a billionaire. Thousand. What's another? What's another? You know, hundred thousand here and there, or whatever it is. Um. So I wanted to talk to you really quickly um, because we are running low on time, but yes. you you are an incredible musician and singer. Like, can we talk about that? Because I listen wow. to your voice. Yeah, I listen to your voice and it's very like David Bowie-esque. It's like your video clips and your songs are super powerful. They have like these social messages and causes, a lot of them at the moment. Like um, I saw your one about like, almost like reflective on like what we've been going through with COVID and, and whatnot. Um, or not personally, but, you know, as a, a society. Um, I'm interested to know, like, how do you produce and create your own music? Do you collaborate? Sounds like you do a lot of collaborations, but um, can you maybe talk to us a little bit about the creative process and how you nurture that side of um, what, your talk? What happens, my, my gas tank reaches bottom on art for a second or two and all of a sudden i'm like oh my god i gotta go take a bite out of some music and i'll 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 start on an idea or i'll have a riff or i'll be asleep i'll be that last hour of sleep which is literally like that golden hour of idea creation where your brain's rested and all of a sudden every like everything's cleaned out and you start thinking about a melody or what it whatever I've been recording music by myself in various forms ever since the 70s, ever since I was up in my brother's room recording things cassette to cassette to cassette to cassette. Mm -hmm. one, I mean, literally one track recording, uh, just complete ghetto process of going into the input of a, of a cassette deck in the mid 70s, you know. So yeah. um, and so I just always loved it. And then I, I was a DJ for for about a decade and I used to trade logos for studio time for Prince band members. So, you know, that's, that's actually how I got the job potentially to be Prince's uh, art director was through doing artwork for a fantastic drummer slash producer who was teaching me the process and everything I record is garage band. It is a 
awesome. It is easy. It's effective. It's the same quality audio quality that Pro Tools and all other people use. But that's that's my tool. So I have guitars. I have basses. I have keyboards. Um, I don't have live drums at my house. My neighbors would kill me because I already <laughs> make enough noise. So I'm always diving in and making music and making songs. I'm actually making a new song and video for a response to Mr. Mizawa's letter where he said I passed in flying colors. So I have a new song called Flying Colors. That oh, wow. is pretty exciting. That's coming out soon. That's super exciting. So I, I guess you have also, you know, you've worked with incredible artists and I know like obviously you work w- with a lot of their talent agents and their studios and whatnot. You don't always work directly. But I have to ask because being a huge Elton John fan my entire life, what was it like working with Elton John? I mean, <laughs> like that's got to be a dream project, right? Well, it was wonderful. And Elton understands with a lot what a lot of really great artists understand. And that is let people do what they do best. Um, Elton saw my poster art and the idea was to make my posters come to life in the form of this song cut in with small bits. Well, actually, I would say maybe 25% of the video is clips from from the movie which was already visually stunning um mm. so to 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 have literally complete freedom till the very end and in the very end to have only one edit and it might have even been david furnish i ran into them at the at uh i forget the, uh, craig's restaurant and mm. um and went up to him and and said hi and and david apologized for 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 it being such a difficult process to finish the video. I'm like, are you kidding me, dude? I did everything. I turned it in and you had one note, you know? So it was a, it was honestly a breeze. Absolutely. But I also, I also believe that when I know what I want to do and when I want to create it, chances are it'll be done when I'm done with it. Mm, Nice. Nice. Well, that's a that's sign of a true artist and um, with a with a vision. Um, speaking of visions, <laughs> I was scrolling through your. I think it was your Facebook. I've done some good stalking of you. Um, Jesus, Jesus made an appearance, and I, I from, from Hollywood. I know. I he used to live across the road from me because I lived in West Hollywood. And he made he made it for those listening. We're not talking about Jesus. We're talking about a gentleman that resided in West Hollywood, and he dressed as Jesus pretty much every well, day. His name was um, Kevin Light. Thank you, thank you, Kevin Lee Light. Yeah. Um, I don't know what his real name is, but Kevin Lee Light is what I know him by as in Heavenly Light. Um, mm. When his mother passed away, mm. he started going on really long walks to clear his mind and um one day he put on a robe and you know his long hair and his beard he's a huge man he's a huge Mm. kind gentle soul and he walks everywhere Um, anyway after we did those photos he walked a a plant 
like a beautiful plant in a huge planter, heavy as fuck over the hill. He lived, you lived in West Hollywood. You live in West Hollywood. Yes. Yeah. Well, I live in studio city. He delivered that thing to my door and he doesn't drive. Wow. Um, So, and I don't know if you noticed, he probably had some really nice plants in his front yard, in his place, or you ever, did you ever see his actual place? Yeah, he lived across the road from me and he had, well, a lot of bushes. I didn't really, uh, I know he lived there, but I didn't really like, I only saw him occasionally, you know, um, he was quite a private, even though. Yeah. 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 I, he was such an icon and he kind of, yeah, well, obviously he passed away, which was super sad um, to learn of. But I wasn't sure if you knew him personally or if it was just kind of like uh, someone you ran into. <laughs> I um, um, I ran into him the first time I was directing Devo's What We Do video um, mm. at Mutato, which is Mark Mothersbaugh's amazing round building. And as I'm shooting, this guy who looks just like Jesus walks in, <laughs> walks by in between takes. And I go, oh, my God, Kevin, because he introduced himself. Will you be in this video? And just walk through the set. And Mark loved the idea. And, of course, Gerald Casali, such a Scrooge, such a genius. But, damn, he's a Scrooge. Um turned that idea down and uh, okay move on but i met him that was the first time i met him and then uh, one of my best friends is jeff ross a comedian so i'm always at the comedy store and that's where kevin's most of his time outside of his uh working life was spent uh at comedy shows and giving people back rubs and hanging out and just being being hollywood jesus yeah as you do. I mean, when in Hollywood, right, you can be whoever you want to be. So <laughs> the magic of it. Um, okay, well, good. I just was interested in that. And I always think, you know, the entrepreneurs, we, we profile entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs are obviously people that take a lot of risks and do what they want to do no matter what. And he certainly seemed like that sort of guy. Um, he just, sure. he owned it. He owned it, so to speak. Yeah. So two questions that we always ask here at Parlay Me and both equally important. Right. Um, but um, if there was someone um, that I guess embodies what entrepreneurship is to you, um, so Parlay Me, we're all about entrepreneurs. So it could be someone in your family. It could be someone we know like a Richard Branson. Um, it could be anyone. But is there someone that's kind of come about, and I guess for you it might be not so much entrepreneurship but we can say, you know, an artist or um, whatnot, um, that is, or director um, even, that has inspired you? Mm-hmm. Well, I've got someone in mind. Um, mm. And oddly enough, as the more I got to know about him, and he's in one of the episodes of Life of Kai, Sid Croft mm. of Sid Marty Croft fame. Now, when, yeah. he, when he was a, a young, young kid, he realized that he loved puppets and he loved marionettes and he loved the magic and the wonder in the world that took him away from where he lived in New York. And uh, at age 14 or 15, he joined Barnum Bailey circus and by, by his puppet show. And not unlike those queen albums for me that Mm -hmm. took me to where I went, the puppets took him 
to so many different places. He began paying his parents' rent. He went on tour with Judy Garland. He ended mm-hmm. up starting a 70s television empire, um, mm-hmm. produced play. I mean, he's done so many things, and he's kept his childlike interest and ambition with him up until if you give him a call right now, he'll tell you he's working on the best thing he's ever done. And he's 90. <laughs> and so Sid Croft will, would probably take that place for me. Lovely. I love that. And, and um, no, I re- that's, that's really special. So our last question <laughs> to segue. Now, if you were a gambling man, and we're not endorsing gambling by any means, but okay. if you were, would you be a roulette, a blackjack, or a poker player? Blackjack. Blackjack. I don't Very... know for the rest of that shit. <laughs> I like it. And you, you, you thought about it too, and then blackjack. Good. Okay. Well, we always ask that because it does kind of tell a little bit about, you know, you know, roulette's kind of, let's face it, a bit of chance. Bit yeah, of luck. How many people do you know it's like, Oh yeah, uh, uh, I've been making my life as a roulette player. <laughs> You'd be surprised. <laughs> maybe, I, maybe I am. I mean, but you know, there's those poker players that are like, you know, doing it up. But roulette, watch- I'm a roulette play. champion. <laughs> yeah, you'd be uh, you'd be surprised. A lot of entrepreneurs like to consider themselves a bit sharp at roulette. I. How many numbers are there in roulette? How many what? How many numbers are there in roulette? You're asking a girl that just knows it's black or it's red. It's black or it's red. Okay. <laughs> I just see colors. But, yeah, good point. There's too many numbers that I've never paid attention. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but it's interesting. Uh, life is like a roulette game, that's for sure. But I am so happy to have spoken to you today. Um, Did I? Yeah, no, you've been absolute joy and your work is just phenomenal. I love it. I scroll through it and I'm literally like, I just like, I have this glee feeling. I don't know. I can't explain it. Like I'm very happy when I look. It's working January. The the whole plan is working. Thank you. And I'm giggling and I'm laughing out loud and I just love it. So that's great. You know, and, and it's, and, and, you know, social media, et cetera, At mm. first, when I thought about it, it was a little daunting, but I just thought when I feel it, I'm going to share it. And, and, you know, it's been going on for a while now. And now when I go back and look at it all, it all makes sense. And it all is what it is. You know, I'm not trying to pay somebody to bump up my numbers. Come and check me out. You like it. Follow me. If not, you know, such as yeah. yeah, well, that's it. You find, you find your tribe, so to speak. There's enough. There's enough content creators out there that you only find the ones you like. Um, but look, I I've loved um, speaking to you, and I can't wait to see your new series if it comes up. Can't wait to see you in space if it comes up. If it doesn't, you know, there's plenty of things going on. Um, it seems like you're definitely on that path. So keep doing what you're doing. Thank you, Kai, for your time, and we can't wait to see what you have in store for us in the very, very near future. Oh, my goodness. Thank you, January, and thank you, Parlay Me, for having me on an amazing uh, interview. Your questions were fantastic. You really had me diving, bobbing, and weaving. 
<laughs> Good. <laughs> and all while you were in a car but not driving. Let's point that out. <laughs> Sorry. No, no. I've made, I'm already in Ohio. Oh, well, there you go. You've made progress. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much, Kai. Thank you.